Welcome to Talking Transfers from the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by 90 Min's transfer correspondent, Graham Bailey, and 90 Min UK editor and writer, Sean Walsh, who is also part of the Oh What A Night podcast, talking all about Tottenham Hotspur, who had a great start to the Premier League season. So I'm sure, Sean, you're very happy today. But please subscribe on all your major podcast platforms and follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at Graham Bailey and at Sean DZ Walsh. I'm, I'm harping back to last week. Uh, DZ, DZ, Danger Zone, all those, all that kind of stuff. Sean, how are how are you doing today? You must have had a a nice start to the Premier League season watching Spurs. Yeah, it, it threatened to go awry about 10, 15 minutes in. Went behind to James Ward Prowse, really great open play goal. But from then on in, we were we were so professional and cutthroat with everything we did. It was really what Spurs' Conte was about at the back end of last season. It was nice to see that continuity come into this season. And he made a big point after the match that he purposely didn't start any of the new six signings because he wanted that kind of continuity. So yeah, really happy right now. I'm in a good place. Uh, tell us about the the pod. Uh, how regularly are you and Jude uh, chatting about Spurs at the moment? Yeah, season started up again. So we're planning to do at least once a week. Uh, we recorded our review of the Southampton game yesterday, plus a mini Chelsea preview this week, which is always... Interesting. We have a terrible record at Stanford Bridge. I think it's one win in about 30-something years. It's the fixture that always kind of, I don't ever expect anything from. You would logically think that this time we might get something, but you never know. You never know. Graham, how's Middlesbrough going? <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, we had a bad start on Saturday, 3-0 down, but then we almost made a miraculous comeback. Marcus Falls got for score sheets, good to see. So no, we're a work in progress. You know, we could have done. We were one of these teams who, like a number of the Premier League teams, like your own United's got, where we could have done with the season starting as normal time rather than a bit early this year. But um, confident by the end of the month, we'll have all the players we want. Matthew Hoppe on his way, American national. So, yeah, um, two tough games starting. We've got Sheffield United on Sunday, so it doesn't stop there. So, um, but yeah, pretty pretty confident. We'll we'll be in a good place at the end of the month. I'm somewhat surprised Man United aren't going for Matthew Hoppe uh, with the standard of targets they're trying to sign at the moment. I heard you did, uh, but he turned you down. He <laughs> <probably> did. <laughs> um, Man United will talk all about the circus at the start of the show. Adrian Rabio, Marco Arnavich, Cody Gakpo, any player who's ever played in the Eredivisie by the seams of it. Uh, we'll talk about Man United's crisis uh, because it just is. They lost at home to Brighton. Uh I know Sean finds it quite amusing. Uh, I'm finding it quite. I'm, Don't I'm forget angry. my United. Can we mention my United bet, Scott, which is currently winning? It is currently winning. I'll give you that one, Graham. Uh, Newcastle were okay the other day. Forest, you went to that game, didn't you? Forest, I was a bit disappointed with Forest. Yeah, I covered the game. It was a strange one. Um, Newcastle, in my ratings, you see, there wasn't a single player over seven, but they didn't need to be. Forest were really, really bad. Newcastle, you know, Bruno didn't get a first gear, but again, he didn't need to. Him and Joe Linton dominated the midfield, really. Newcastle still lacking up front, but yeah, Callum Wilson, when he's fit, as we know from your fantasy pick, Scott, he's a good player. <laughs> and it was it was a great finish, to be fair. But yeah, Forest needed, need, they need more in the last third and going forward. They didn't trouble Newcastle at all. Yeah, we'll talk about Newcastle in a little bit on uh, two transfer targets, Bamba Dieng and Lucas Paqueta. I'll come back to you on that, Graham. We'll also talk Bernardo Silva, uh, Spurs transfer targets with Sean, Wesley Fafana, the latest on him, Denzel Dumfries, who seems to be a regular fixture in this podcast at the moment, Mikel Damsgaard to Brentford, uh, some Wilf Zaha and Callum Hudson-Odoi chat, Connor Gallagher, 
ins and outs at Wolves and Everton and Fulham closing in on Justin Cliver as well as a, a circle or like a, a merry-go-round of midfielders across Europe that could involve the likes of Adrian Rabio, Frankie De Jong, who we can't go a show without mentioning. Uh, I can't wait for the transfer window to be over so we know exactly what's happening with him because I'm sick to death of it. But let's talk, let's let's revert to Man United to start with because we have uh, posted on 90min.com on Tuesday today of interest from Man United in Adrian Rabio and Marco Arnautovic and now Cody Gakpo as well. There, there seems to be interest from United there. Uh, Eric Ten Hag is pushing these signings by the looks of it, having seen just how bad Man United are at football on the pitch at Old Trafford on Sunday. Uh, Sean, I'll, I'll come to you in a second, but Graham, what's the latest on these deals? Yeah, they are progressing with Rabiot and Anatovic, both ongoing, and United expect them both to happen. We know Rabiot, um, you know, P. Scott, the his his mother might even be waiting to see how Monaco do. They like him, but they're in Champions League contention, although it looks like they might not get through against PSV. So, yeah, and United are insisting these two are not instead of deals. They're not, you know, it's not Arnautovic instead of Anthony. It's not Rabiot instead of De Jong. They're saying these are deals, almost backup deals. These are ones they've always wanted or had in mind. Whether we believe in them, them in that context, I'm not so sure. But, yeah, as we saw from the weekend, maybe more bodies the better. Um, are these two good enough to improve United squad? Probably you can tell us more, Scott. But um, yeah, two two interesting pickups. Obviously, and now uh, Rabio, we know is coming from Juve. And now which is interesting because he has worked with both Ten Hag and Steve McLaren during their time at Twente, so they both do know what they're getting with him. But do they though? This was twelve years ago. <laughs> they know what to get in as they'll know what to get in with him as a player. Off the handful, field. A handful, abrasive. Yeah. Ha, ha, yeah, that's a great description actually for him as a handful on the pitch and off the pitch from what we understand. He, he's a he's a nightmare to play against. I've seen plenty of teams play against Mark Arnatovich and him making an impression. Uh six foot four, big lad. Good ball control, really. Scored a few goals in in Serie A last West season. Ham, West Ham will tell you he's a nightmare off the pitch as well. I, I know. Yeah, uh, it's been publicised very well. There's uh, questions about his character, uh, which obviously are there for all to see if you look at social media. Uh, I think the big thing here is Jude Summerfield, who is uh, your co-host, Sean, on the Oh What Night pod, <laughs> did a tweet on Monday, which has got like 50,000 likes, which is like crazy. Adrian Rabio will be a statement signing from Man United if that statement is... We have no idea what we're doing because it just really does seem, again, like Man United have gone from this position of, oh, okay, we're, we're chill. We're going for Frankie de Jong. We're confident we'll get him. It's fine. We still think we might. We're going to wait. We're going to wait. But, oh, wait, we just lost to Brighton. And now, oh, God damn, they, these players are bad. We need to You seem angry them. at the Rabiot one, Scott, than you are an out of it. Is that fair to say? Uh, no, I, I think it's both, really. I think it, <laughs> I, I think it, it is both. <laughs> The, the the defeat didn't the defeat was awful. Like, don't get me wrong, the defeat was awful. But I think the thing that does bother me is United have made a big song and dance about new start, new manager, new people in charge at the top. John Murta is first real summer in charge to get it right. Richard Arnold has taken over from Ed Woodward, who was a disaster in charge of Man United over the last few years. And it seems like they're falling back and making the same mistakes they've been making for the entire time for the in the entire last ten or twelve years. Uh Sean, what do you make of it all watching on? It, I won't lie it is a bit funny from this point of view um, 
don't envy your position at all. Uh, I was actually referred to a tweet from your co-host on the Promised Land podcast, Scott. Uh, Rob Blanchett tweeted how, you know, you went into the season full of optimism on Sunday morning, you know, fresh start on the Ten Hag, all of these kind of the two or three new players you did have. It's going to be different this time. Obviously, you put in the performance you did, you lose to Brighton. And then with the next 24 hours, you're linked with Arnautovic and Rabio. I can't imagine... Could you imagine going into the weekend thinking that way? There was another tweet I saw from someone else where they said, if you'd asked me what club was going to get linked to Arnautovic and Rabio, it was going to be someone like Hellas Verona. I thought that was generous, didn't, didn't you, Sean? I thought, I thought I was thinking maybe Fulham, Southampton, that sort of area. <laughs> yeah. Southampton, yeah, just Fulham. Fulham's a good one. Fulham does make mm. sense. But th- these are just generally really weird moves. I was just him. surprised you weren't linked after Danny Welbeck on Monday morning, to be honest. He'd be a better option <laughs> than Marco Arnautovic. <laughs> I said, and I did remember, I did say that on the pod towards the end of last year. His performance I saw for him at Ellen Road, so that's the best performance I've ever seen from Danny Welbeck. He's in such good form in the mate, but hey, that's no excuse to. He was a real back. pain uh, <laughs> for United on Sunday. Lissandro, uh, yeah. It does, does it worry you, Scott, that Lissandro gets to run around off Welbeck that doesn't board well for the future? I, I It took me 25 minutes watching that game and I thought Lissandro Martinez is a defensive midfielder. I have a Tony next up. Well, that's what Arsenal, Arsenal <laughs> and indeed though, Scott, you make the point and we had, when we had Harry on previously, that's what Arsenal were looking at him. They were looking at that Jack of all trades, but Jack starting off in the midfield, they didn't see him as starting as a centre-half. Um, mm. They saw him, what Zinchenko does now, maybe left-back defensive midfield and as an emergency at the back. But um, yeah, I, I can't imagine what Rafael Varane was thinking watching that, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, he's not been completely up to date with his fitness he's not uh he's not 100 percent there but i mean if you're opting for harry Maguire and lisandro martinez ahead of a world cup winning <laughs> five-time four-time champions league winning defender who imagine he must have got actually... on thinking about retirement right he must have got on and thought if i can't get ahead of them too i've got to seriously think about my future yeah uh but lisandro martinez i think he's a he seems to be a defensive midfielder it turns out that christian erickson sean you've seen pl- plenty of christian erickson is mm. the number six that united have decided to go with having seen that fred can't do it i've been telling you this you're gonna like this guy because no matter no matter what he does if he's playing in midfield and not as a you know, a number nine as he started with, he will create chances. He will spread the ball just so effortlessly. It's a real joy to watch. And I think that's going to be really important for United in the next few weeks because, as I I alluded to, you've got Brentford next who have started quite well. Um, After that, it's Liverpool. There is a universe where Man United have zero points from the opening three games, but it's about how do you get to the end of the transfer window without kind of losing your marbles even more so. Well, I, <laughs> at my season last year was apathy. Now it's anger completely. <laughs> uh, but Graham, uh, we touched on Adrian Rabio. Obviously, we've, you've given a summary there of where United stand on these deals. As it stands, we expect them to go through uh, Rabio and Arnautovic. Why are Man United chasing a player that Juventus would be willing to pay off? And why have Man United allowed Paul Pogba to go for free to Juventus <laughs> to replace Adrian Rabio and then paid for Adrian Rabio? This is crazy. Yeah, there's a section where our colleague Jack would be loving to come on the pod and just it's just see him having a party because Juventus getting Artur is on his way to Valencia as well. Juventus getting rid of two players they've been working weeks and weeks upon to get rid of without any sniffs. And and obviously Arthur's going to Valencia on a free loan. Manchester United are paying money for this player who might have been paid up at the end of this month. He was he's not even 
he wouldn't have been able to, not able to get on the bench. He wasn't in Allegri's plans to an extent where they probably wouldn't put him on the bench. He was that far at the, the equation. Yeah, and I say you rubbing it in, Scott, when it's a fact they took Pogba for free and you're paying them for Rabio. It's um, it, it's such a strange situation. Like they're in there, it, and and you know we we were Gary Neville was condemning or attacking Todd Burley for his approach. Wow, you know. Todd Burley is is Man City Real Madrid rolled into one at the minute compared to what United are doing. Very true, very true. Uh, <laughs> crazy, but you mentioned there uh, Artur uh, on his way to Valencia. I was going to do this at the end of the show, but I think it's a good uh, good moment to maybe mm-hmm. bring it in. There's a bit of a merry-go-round involving a lot of central midfielders across Europe. Hey, Frankie De Jong, you can see why Man United won Frankie De Jong because I think. He has the qualities to play that sixth position that Eric Ten Hag seems to want. Uh, he has those qualities that Fred completely doesn't have. Uh, I have different concerns about the distance between the number six and the number eights and how how that's going to work defensively and this kind of thing uh, over the next few months, if they get him. Uh, but obviously, Chelsea want Frankie de Jong as well. Uh, and there's other players rolled into this. So... Uh, Man United's interest in Fabian Ruiz was, it came out last week, but he's on the way to PSG. PSG have Leandro Paredes, who Juventus want. Uh, Chelsea are in for De Jong. Chelsea need to free up some space for Jorginho. Juventus potentially looking at bringing maybe more than one player in if, they, if they're getting Leandro Paredes and they've had Paul Pogba injured and there's, there's Rabio leaving, Aaron Ramsey's already left. Could they bring in two? Could they bring in Leandro Paredes and Jorginho? Uh, Adrian Rabio could go out to Man United and Arthur goes to Valencia. So there's a bit of a merry-go-round here, Graham. Have I explained that well enough? Yeah, you know, Fabian Ruiz, excellent player. PSG have stepped in. Him and Sanchez are both there, obviously. Uh, and Paredes is available. I'm not seeing a lot of United fans on social media wanting, you know, wanting United to go for him. Uh, <coughs> pardon me. Uh, so yeah, it, it, that's an interesting Paredes, but I say that doesn't stop their interest in Jorginho, who they love. And as you say, Scott, the money Arthur were going out, yeah, they're going to have to cover some of those wages. Rabio's wages, who we're discussing before the pod, we were trying to work out, weren't we? Where he may very well be the highest paid player in Serie A at the moment. Rabio, that's, that's just, crazy. It, it is, and you're paying, and there's money coming in for him. And so if they get rid of him, and Aaron Ramsey was on a huge wage packet. Juventus have freed up so much money in the last two weeks that they could go and get Jorginho. And I think if, if Chelsea do press ahead with De Jong or the beat United to him, they would have to let, I think, one of those high-paid midfielders go. And I think Jorginho is just more, is easier to move on than Kante or Kovacic. Oh, well, three weeks left of the transfer window. We will see how this all... <laughs> I love, it's, a, it's, a, it's actually like, you know, you think of like, oh, there's no one available. and uh, It's like you're thinking, oh, it's okay, there's no one available, Scott. And then you're saying, Ruiz going to PSG, Sanchez going to PSG, Parade is going to Juve. You think they're all so much better than the players we're going for. And, and you all feel like, side. whether there was anything in this or not, I can't remember what we, what we reported on this, Graham, but I know that Man United were linked with Moises Caicedo for a time before he joined mm. Brighton. Mm. And that might have been a lot of agent noise. It might not have been, but there, there were definitely links there. Oh, you, and it you were. Out- I think, I think that though, I think that was just the bright, the way Brighton do things and the appeal to a lot of players that to be honest, I don't think United were alone, but yeah, I did want him. But I think a lot, you can see now why so many teams wanted him. And, but the way Brighton have brought him on is the same as replacement has been fascinating. And he looks a real, a real player, doesn't he? 
yeah, four or five million pounds. You can see the see Brighton selling in for fifty odd million in a couple of years' time, possibly to Man United. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Uh, but let's let's move across Manchester to Manchester City. Uh, latest on Bernardo Silva, Graham, amid interest from Barcelona. Yeah, you know, Silva is making it known through his agents, through his representatives, that he would quite like to move to Barcelona. There's even reports in the Catalan press, and I don't, I, I probably believe these that. There isn't an issue of personal terms have already been discussed, and you know that that probably isn't the issue. The issue here is can Barcelona prize him out of City? You know, with Bergeristain and Soriano, this is a, this is the best run club in world football. You know, they do not want to let him go. I'm told that the City is standing firm. Pep's obviously spoken about it. He wants the players there. Pep's quotes didn't help the situation, you know, because he sounded a little bit. He'll do his best. You know, he was almost. But kept the door ajar, didn't he? He didn't slam it shut um, about his potential departure. But no, I I fully expect Bernardo to stay. I, I just don't see how Barca could even contemplate doing that sort of deal. What would Sil- Sylvia know? What we're talking 70, 80 million at least. One of the best midfielders in the Premier League on huge wages. When it comes to Barca, never say never. But you know, City is standing uh, firm and they do not want him to go. That's the point I was going to make, Graham. Barcelona have managed to pull stuff off in this summer transfer window that nobody thought was possible. Uh, Sean, what do you think happens here? Because I think, uh, obviously, there was suggestions Bernardo Silva wanted to join Barcelona last year uh, and has wanted this move for a while. But Man City as well. I know uh, Graham uh, has just obviously mentioned that Man City don't want to sell him. Uh, but City have a history of letting players go if they want to. Leroy Sane wanted to go to Bayern. They let him go. Uh, Raheem Sterling... You know, uh, they probably wanted to keep him. They offered him a new deal, I think, if I remember rightly, but he's gone to Chelsea. There's other players too. So how does City progress with this one in your eyes? Well, Graham mentioned it there that, you know, Pep didn't necessarily kind of slam the door shut. I don't think that... Has there ever been a time where he slammed the door shut on a player potentially leaving? He's always bit... It's like he's almost trying to convince the player, like, you know... If you want to leave, go, but you should be almost kind of privileged that you're able to even stay here at this kind of big club that wins all these trophies all the time. Um, I would be personally shocked if he goes now, if there isn't a replacement lined up. But again, it's talk about one of the best club run, yeah, best run clubs in the world here. It wouldn't surprise me either if there was a deal just waiting out there for them to to conclude. You know, is there is City potentially looking at Frankie de Jong, maybe if that's Later in the window, nothing's really moved there. Um, I remember when they got Ruben Diaz, that wasn't until the last few days of the transfer window either. There was kind of little to suggest that they were going to move for him earlier in that window either. So there was, who knows? There was a There was a suggestion over the weekend on, via social media which put Marco Verratti, Frankie de Jong and Bernardo mm, Silva yeah, in a merry-go-round of transfers. Another merry-go-round. Oh, Marco uh, Verratti, I'd love to see him. I'd love two, two of my favourite players being the same team, him and Foden. I'd love, to see <laughs> I'd, I'd love to see Verratti in England. I think he, it's amazing. He, do, he doesn't really get mentioned very often. He, he's obviously... Yeah, he's I think had, the injury record. Coming up, for, coming up for 10 years, I think, in PSG. Yeah. I remember when they signed him. He was a, a good few years ago. He was uh, a highly rated player. I was surprised he went to PSG, but he's had a great career, won the Euros, obviously, won plenty of stuff with PSG over the last few years, but... Uh, the injury record, I think, has been the thing that stopped clubs in the past. Uh, and Graham, yeah. uh, obviously, you believe that Bernardo Silva will stay because you picked him in the 90-min FPL draft last week. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> City of Solace is very strong on this. You know, and it, actually, if we think back to last time, as Sean said, 
Silva did want to leave because he didn't think he was in contention at the start. And then suddenly this new sort of deeper role emerged for him at City. And so, yeah, it's a really, really interesting situation. But I don't see him going this summer. I think it's more does, Scott. I think they will let him go, but just in 12 months. Like it was, Sané was, went on for ages, didn't he, if you remember, to Bayern. So I think it's one where Silva really wants to go, they'll let him go next summer. But I think he'll understand it. They've, let, they've lost Zinchenko. Jesus has gone. It's been a real um, revolution almost in the city squad by their standards. So I think, I think they will let him go in 12 months if he still wants to go. Let's move to top of the Premier League, Tottenham, uh, after a 4-1 win over Southampton. Uh, Sean, latest on potential incomings at Spurs. We've uh, reported on Zaniolo over the past few weeks. I think you've done a a recent update on that story and a potential new signing from uh, Udinese, is it? Yes, from Udinese, yeah. So we'll start with that. We'll start with uh, Destiny Adoji, 19-year-old left wing back set to sign for around 25 million euros and be loaned back to Udinese. Uh, Graham and I understand that Brighton were also in for him, but couldn't quite make it work. And Spurs' willingness to send him back to Udinese for another year helped in that sense. I think that's good as well, because I don't think that if he comes into the team now, he's going to play too much because Sessegnon got a goal at the weekend. He ended last season really strongly. He seems to be one of Conte's better success stories in terms of the individuals. Perisic has come in and Spurs fans are just so excited to see what he can do in this Conte team as well. I know I am. Um, but it does seem that as if this is a deal for the long term and for Conte in the long term, that this is his kind of goal scoring output wing back. I think he got five goals, four assists last season in his first full season for Udinese in Serie A, which is quite ludicrous for a wing back. That's a lot. Um, and there were reports recently that Daniel Levy is having to do all he can to prove to Conte that he should stick around the long term. So this for me is one of those deals that's like, okay, we're serious about you. Here is a perfect wing back in your mould. So in a couple of years, maybe even from next year onwards, if you're looking to face Perisic out, we've got a ready-made replacement. So that's really promising. And then, yeah, Nicolo Zaniolo, been going on for a while, this one. Um, Spurs had a loan with obligation to buy a bid, not backed by Roma, who weren't happy that Spurs is... Um, the numbers in the bid were about 25 million euros up front plus 10 in add-ons. They're looking for at least 50. And so I can completely understand why Roma are not happy about that. Plenty going on at Spurs. They've had a good summer. Uh, mm. And it's points to where they are, well. I think, guys. It's points to where Spurs are, where we see United scrambling around for first teamers. It's got to a point now where Spurs are looking to the future. By They're in the, it's the Liverpool Man City mold almost. Spurs are the the progression is there on and off the pitch now. It really is, isn't it? Where snap up one of Europe's you see we have the most talented wing backs for the future. It, as a Spurs fan, Sean, that must be really it's really pleasing. It, tell, it tells you you don't have there's not many bits of the jigsaw left for Conte to put in place. He, he must think that as well. Yeah, and I think that was quite evident with as I mentioned about the starting lineup at the weekend where he wanted the continuity still. Uh we talked last week about what would would we ask to really need to add to the squad. I would like some creativity maybe it's even not from a starting position but from the bench uh but apart from that yeah you're right we seem like we're good to go for the season quite settled there's a lot of positive noises around the club i don't think i think there's much negativity i think the real negativity has been that we haven't been able to shift the likes of tongi and dombele and giovanni lacelsi yet who have kind of been banished from First Dom, team. They're both linked to um, maybe some good news on that front. Villarreal at all. Yes, about yeah, did, yeah, did, yeah. And then Dumbler. 
Man, yeah. that'd, that'd be that'd be some day, wouldn't it? If you Unai Emery forward. saving Spurs. <laughs> He'd probably turn yeah, them yeah. into worldies as well. He know, probably would. Don't know about Ian Capu. Uh, and plenty of other players as well. Uh, some from Spurs, Juan Foyth, yeah. I remember as well. But uh, yeah, so Dejong, talk to me about Kulisevsky, Sean. I know you've uh, <laughs> seen favorite. favorite now. He He's getting there. Son's number one for me. It's always been Son. But, then, but Kulisevsky is just the the leaps and bounds he's come on. And uh, we mentioned our, our co-worker, Jack, who's a Juventus fan. Uh, he was always adamant that there is there is a player in Kulisevsky. He just kind of lacked the confidence to be able to do it. And I think Spurs fans, myself included, were very wrong after Kulisevsky on his debut. He, he came on against Brighton in the FA Cup match and he looked so off the pace. He did not look strong. He did not look quick. He wasn't technically up to it. He, it wasn't clicking in his brain. And you just kind of look at him thinking, oh God, we've got one of Juve's proper rejects here. But since then... Just a formidable player. You look at all the stats that come out over the weekend. You know, the only players to have contributed more goals in the Premier League since he's arrived is Kane and Son. That's just how good he is. That's that's the level he's at already. I'm quite um, scared now that he's become a bit mainstream. I liked it last season when people didn't really notice him. Sean, are you telling me that Adrian Rabio is going to be a worldie? No, because Jack at least thought that <laughs> Kulisevsky and Benson Cole might be okay. Jack's been quite adamant. This is a man who will always get any in his player ratings because he's that bad. And Richarlison to yeah, come in as well. That's amazing. Yeah. Those yeah. Where, and that helps to pressure you, pressure them. And I, I just think it'd be, it takes the pressure off Son and off Son and Kim where you can, at times, you can give them a weekend off if you need to. And I think that's mm. the key to this now, isn't it? You've got such, you need that right hand side. Imagine if you do get Zaniolo or Scott, it could be something special this season. I know. Uh, tipping th- tipping Spurs for third at present, although Liverpool weren't great in the opening game. Uh, City look together. like a well-old machine and they now have a goal scorer as well. Uh, you know, still very much the favourites, but Spurs may be taking, taking a step up. But uh, so are Chelsea. They play each other next or this weekend. Sunday's game, I believe. Uh, Chelsea still doing business or trying Sundays, to do... It's not Sunday's game, Scott. Chef United Middlesbrough is Sunday's game. <laughs> that's, a, that's a big one for you in your, in your Middlesbrough shirt. Today. Yorkshire Derby. Oh, big York, yeah, big Yorkshire Derby. <laughs> uh, tell us about Chelsea, Graham. Wesley Fafana still on the agenda. A right wing back still on the agenda too. What's the latest on Fafana to start with? Yeah, Fafana's progressing. You know, the players starting to push this now a little bit. Um, he did sign his new deal back in May. And, and you know, Brendan Rodgers is saying these players aren't for sale, but one may need to go. And and we know they're well-stocked in defence. So I think this does make sense. You know, if you get to 80, that's the magic figure here. Uh, and we've seen Chelsea do it with Cucurella. I don't understand why they won't do it here. They, they started at 60, they're at 70, we understand at the minute. There's only 10 million apart here. I can't see Todd Birdie letting this player go for the sake of 10 million. You know, one of the world's best young defenders. And since the frightening fall, I thought Chelsea looked okay at the back, but long term, I think Fofana is a special player. And no, I think this one should get done. That's a, what we're hearing. Fofana wants it to be done. If they get to 80 in some sort of deal, it does look like this is going to happen. And the, and the, and the clubs are talking, it's ongoing. And um, yeah, and I, I, it, it's a bit expensive, but you know, when they got more of Harry Maguire, so that's that's the standard that has been set for that for Fana. You know, I don't I don't think anyone thinks it's a stupid price for him. We know how good he is. We've seen the potential there. Um, in terms of the wing back, Scott, yeah, we thought with Cesar's arrival 
that this would put this to bed, but no. Um, beloved Denzel Dumfries to talk into Inter. Kyle Walker-Peters was another on their list as well. Dumfries, who does have interest in United as well, Scott. Um, I think it's a position that you, after weekend, know that does need strengthening. Um, Inter, 40 million euros is the price on his head. And yet he's there to be had. So if United wanted more Chelsea, it does look like Chelsea are pushing, but when they're going to get to 40, remains to be seen. But he, he'll be a high calibre backup to Rhys James and Chelsea yeah I think they got caught a bit short last year in defence but I tell you what they're making sure they're not going to be caught out this season if they do get injuries yeah of course those players on Chelsea's list they've also uh, they're also interested in Frankie de Jong as we know and have reported last week uh, also other players we'll get to later in the show Graham uh, ah, yeah. Chelsea as well we'll come back to that but uh, on the subject of right backs and right wing backs and Denzel Dumfries, obviously Man United's interest has been there as well. United trying to offload Aaron Wan-Bissaka, possibly likely to Crystal Palace at the moment. They signed him, of course, for 50 million. I thought that was one of the first deals we worked on together, Graham. Aaron Wan-Bissaka for 50 million from Palace to Man United uh, a few years ago. Good old days. God, <laughs> you can tell you can tell you can tell an English player is bad when he doesn't even get a cap off Gareth Southgate. I think that's that's the that time, is a good it? measure. It's a very good <laughs> measure. Yeah, if you if you don't if you're in your mid twenties in the Premier League and you don't get a cap off Gareth Southgate, that's a bad sign. <laughs> yep. It's it's definitely the case. Uh, we we'll see what happens with Wambasaka. It's been made pretty clear and obvious that Ten Hag uh, is not too impressed by him. I don't think he has the ability on the ball to play in Ten Hag's team, but then which player does? Uh, wait and see. Uh, maybe Crystal Palace will end up taking him on loan with an option to buy for around £10 million or something like that. That's pure speculation. We know they're in talk, Scott, and the fact that I didn't, re- I, I was looking at this, but when I saw Nathaniel Klein starting for Palace, I think that's just ticks about, yeah, they do need another run. Not against Nathaniel Klein, but he's in his, um, he's in the, what, the last few glimmers of his career in the Premier League and he'll uh, be good backup but I think they do need the first choice and what better place for Wan-Bissaka to go really yeah we'll see how that one plays out uh, also on United uh, links with Benjamin Sesko over the last few days turns out that he's going to RB Leipzig from RB Salzburg uh, agent driven Graham but uh, there has been some interest there by the seams of it yeah. in United but you know it seems now that Benjamin Sesko will join RB Leipzig for a relatively small fee in 2023 mm. and will probably end up getting sold to Man United for £70 million in the next five years. Yeah, it's interesting one. You know, he's, going to have his, he's going to have his first full season in Austria first. You know, Let's see how he does. Um, the agent played a, a, a cracking hand here, didn't he? he? He took photos at Newcastle Airport. He had some talks with Manchester United. What better way to frighten Leipzig? Oh, we might lose one of our best young players. Let's get him signed up. And hey, that's what agents are there to do. There was an interest. And, you know, and I think if it had been a huge bid, they would have gone in. But yeah, I think to be fair, I think once Newcastle and United had looked in the background, they knew he wasn't at the moment a £50 million player. Interesting Conrad Limer as well going around today. We, we reported in May, Graham, that uh, Ralph Rannick had recommended uh, Conrad Lima to Man United that's uh, now circling around again although he seems to be on the way to Bayern Munich in some capacity whether that's this year or next it's this year but that, that one returns to a right saga in, in, in Germany where they've only been five million apart for the last six weeks but Leipzig is standing firm and Bayern as we know they think they can bully any club in Germany and, and as it stands he's not going 
um, which is yeah, literally five million euros apart, and they haven't progressed in the last six weeks. Lima was left out of Leipzig squad at the weekend, so from what I'm hearing, Jamie, they think it will get done. Uh, let's move to Newcastle. We'll come to Brentford in a second, but Newcastle are in potentially for two signings, Bamba Dieng and Lucas Paqueta, Grim. Yeah, obviously you should refer to them as United at the minute. So um... the, the, the best United <laughs> in the league, yes. Yes. Um, yeah, Newcastle, they've still got a little bit of work to do. The press conference after the Forest game, Eddie Howe did confirm he loves his squad, etc., but he wants more quality. And, and we've seen that in the attacking third. So we've seen James Madison, Moussa Diaby, Jack Harrison. We know where they're looking. And so, yeah, they are looking at targets who they have looked at before. Bemba Diang from Marseille. Um, he's a bit like Sadio Mane. He can play anywhere across the front three. Scored seven goals last year. Very impressive. And he's only available because he's had the fallen out with Igor Tudor, the new coach, who has fallen out with quite a few players. Uh, the new he got Marseille. booed the weekend, the manager. Yeah, because Sam Pauli, who left, he was like the like a Bielsa figure, wasn't he? He was amazing. The mm. fans loved him, players did. And so now, Marseille, who were going for Alexis Sanchez, amazingly, Dieng, this Dieng now, Bemba Dieng, is available for £15 million. He could be one of the bargains of the summer. And he tick, and that allows Newcastle then, if you do progress with him, to go over options. So yeah, Newcastle in for Dieng. A lot of teams are those Celtic, um, West Ham, Leeds, Everton. So Newcastle are in there. They're, they like him, and they're going to be out talking over this one. And and the other player they're talking about in France as well, Scott, is Lucas Paqueta, a really really good midfielder from Lyon, one of Bruno's best friends. He's been in the northeast. He's had his photo taken in Newcastle kit already. His fee has dropped to thirty three million. Bruno Cheru confirmed over the weekend again that if the right bid comes in, he can go. So, yeah, Arsenal, the player Arsenal like a lot. And I think at 33 million, Arsenal, I wouldn't rule them out of this equation. But, you know, Lucas, Lucas wants to go play with Bruno. And, you know, these, are, these would be two ideal signs for Newcastle. They need that someone to unlock a defence. Like on Saturday, even though Newcastle played quite well, it took a 30-yarder from Fabian Shah to break the deadlock um, just on the hour. And so they don't have... Bruno is a box-to-box son. He's not really that man to unlock, but someone like Paqueta is. So keep an eye on these two. Newcastle like them. We're investigating both deals as we speak. And yeah, these two could end up on Tyneside. Okay, so going into a midfield with um, Bruno Gimaraes and Joe Linton, that's quite a prospect, surely. Joe Linton really is. You love Joe Linton now. <laughs> I, I don't love, do you know what? I, I, I love not to love him, Sean, but I, I, <laughs> I, I gave him man of the match on Saturday through yeah. good teeth. Um, he performed well. He's he's been sensible with his runs now. He's a real dynamic runner from midfield, and and Newcastle ability listened. is a tackle as well, though Graham. I, I watched the game as well. I noticed mm-hmm. there was one moment where he was chasing backwards, slide tackle, hooked, and and hooked the ball away to win possession back too. Yeah, that's that's why I like him. He's everything like, for instance, David and Allen. Sam Maximum isn't. He's putting that effort, and he's really he's really effective for Scott, isn't he? He's really effective in that centre midfield now, and and John Joe Shelby as well. Let's note that he's just been ruled out for three months. Mm. So if they can get Paqueta, Bruno and Joe Linton, you know, the best three Brazilians in North East have seen since uh, Emerson, Janinho and Branco, I think. So, <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, Bruno was good. Newcastle need this, but they do need that forward. They do need that other forward. They really do. Wilson was great. He scored a wonderful goal, but San Maximo and Almiron, you know, they couldn't unlock Nottingham Forest. And that worries me, but Dien and Paqueta really adds to that. So they're not done deals, but Newcastle do like them and they are progressing. Speaking of, 
Sean, Mikel Damsgaard, uh, a player that we've mentioned, on, I believe it, on last week's show. Still not official yet as we speak, but looks like Brentford are going to seal this deal for a promising prospect uh, from Denmark, obviously, because obviously yeah. it's Brentford. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We spoke last week about it that um, he came through a youth system at Nordjylland where um, their head of youth at the time turned into the manager when he was coming through. Uh, he'd worked with Brentford before and knows Thomas Frank. So there's a lot of links around that. But Another player to add to the kind of, I called it the aggregate, like from Moneyball um, to help replace Christian Eriksen, that he has this kind of ingenuity, this spark. He, he's a very versatile player. And I think Tom Strike's going to like that because he's been experimenting with kind of different formations with players on the pitch. He can like to go with a 4-3-3, but he likes to sometimes put his forwards and wing back areas and play with a three at the back as well. So he's going to come perfectly into that. I wouldn't rule out um, him scoring a free kick on his debut against Man United at this rate. But I'm fully expecting. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he was—he was one of the stars of the Euros. Shine. Yeah, scored it. We mentioned it, last week. Scored a free kick against England. Yeah, people are thinking, wondering where to, where they've heard of him, but can't quite remember. He was like mm. the—he was literally the Eriksen replacement for Denmark. So what better player yeah. to get for Brentford? Exactly. Yeah, and I think Brentford have, have I'm not saying they silenced all the critics, but I think they went. They were, they took the criticism that they're going to be in trouble because they lost Eriksen personally. I know Frank. Mm. was really kind of annoyed about it in his first press of the season. You know, he was like, Christian, great player. We wouldn't have gone down anyway. So I think bringing in another quality player, in addition to what they have after completing a good comeback at Leicester, really boosts what they've got. Tony looks so much better, Sean. That first goal mm. last season, that touch would have bounced off his knee, wouldn't it? And yeah, and just great that, control. That, and he, and he yeah. had a good chance soon after as well. We missed the header. Any other day he puts that in as well. We so, mentioned Rico. How well did Rico Henry play this shot? The, the cross for Tony for the goal. Just there you go. There you go. Oh, I'd be looking worried. forward be, to that be, against be, Man United be, on, be, on Saturday <laughs> night. Be worried, Scott. Be worried. Yeah. Uh, let's let's move on. Uh, we've got a few stories left to cover involving Wilf Zaha, who it seems well. Wolf Saha has been linked with a move away from Crystal Palace for what seems like forever since he rejoined them. Obviously, he joined United earlier in his career, did not work out, so he returned there. Linked with Arsenal plenty of times in the past, and now it's Chelsea who have a player in Callum Hudson-Odoi that seems to be on his way out. Could there could there be some kind of uh, agreement between the two to switch them around, Graham? Yeah, well, Hudson-Odoi obviously wants out. He, he wasn't even on the bench for Chelsea at the weekend, which... You know, it speaks volumes, really. Um, he hasn't been in contention for a long time. And I th- he does need a fresh start. I think he, if we go back to when he signed his contract, by Munich trying to sign him, he was in the England squad. To think how far he has dropped is remarkable. You know, Hudson Adoy should be one of the first names on Gareth Southgate's team sheet. And he's not even going to get in the squad. He's nowhere near. Hey, he might change. He might go to Palace, as is we're now suggesting may happen, and relaunch his career. There's a lot of teams in Fields and Dyer. We've seen Newcastle, West Ham, Leeds, Everton, a lot of teams like him. But I think this move across to South London as a possible replacement for Zaha does fit. And we know from what we were reporting that Zaha is on Todd Burley's list. Let's not forget Chelsea looking for a right hand side player. To try for Rafinha, didn't get him. And they haven't really been linked after many in terms of that position again we've seen Havertz play there I'm not convinced by that but Zaha I think he could really slot into this Chelsea squad and have a major contribution he's never played Champions League football we know that's what he'd like to do Scott before he finishes his career 
and there's not really many options out there. And Palace, he's only got a year left. Palace can sell him for good money. I think it suits all parties. And I think Zaha would be a terrific addition for Chelsea. Yeah, of course. It always has been the problem for Zaha that he's kind of been priced out of moves. I know yeah. in Arsenal in the past have, uh, have made approaches. The price has been a bit too big for them. Uh, but we'll see how this goes. Because, I mean, it does make does seem to make a lot of sense. Uh, for both teams. Conor Gallagher is also a Chelsea player who has a ton of clubs after him. Are Chelsea going to, do, do you feel like Chelsea going to let him go or are we waiting and seeing here? No, it doesn't appear so. We we did a piece, um, West Ham, Newcastle, um, Palace, one of them. They're all basically keeping in touch with Chelsea saying, look, what's the situation with Conor Gallagher? Uh, please keep us informed. As any good club would do. You know, if he comes available, you want to know about it, you know, and that's the way it stands. At the moment, Chelsea said no, um, he's not leaving. He did. He started on the bench on Sunday. This is the thing with this window that we discussed. If Gallagher doesn't start a game from now to the end of the month, he may agitate for a move. See how it goes. He's got uh, plenty of options. Uh, he did really well at Palace last season. Uh, Sean, I'll move on to uh, Fulham closing in on a transfer target in Justin Clivert by the sounds of it. Very Fulham transfer target, it feels like. Very, very. <laughs> this kind of uh, player who was rated two or three years ago, hasn't kind of kicked on. Oh, I'll go Fulham rejuvenate my career. Um, maybe. I feel like, I, I thought they were really impressive against Liverpool. And that has made, made me, I'm not, I had them um, just about staying up this year because I think there are ultimately three teams worse than them anyway. But it does, it does make me think about, you know, what is the upside with Fulham? Can they be a team that, scores a lot of goals but just kind of leaks them you know in the proper Marco Silva way um, Justin Clover would kind of fit into that I guess you know um, they do have a couple of players in his mould already um, they brought in Andres Pereira who actually thought was quite good at the weekend as well mm. Manuel Solomon as well but he's picked up an injury hasn't he Sean Solomon oh has he okay yeah he, apparently he's picked up an injury from weekend which uh, was an interesting one but yeah Mitra was so good wasn't he but I mm, think yeah. taking best about Fulham they won that game with Tim Ream at centre half. They should get bonus points <laughs> <Yeah>. for that. <laughs> Technically, didn't yeah. win. Oh, sorry, just sorry, for the sorry, Liverpool draw, fans draw, yeah, sorry, sorry, draw. Didn't win. Draw, but, but not to lose with Tim when that when they came out with the Tete who played really well. That, yeah, yeah, that was the thing that everyone was looking at the team sheet, thinking, "Oh my god, this could be five or six for Liverpool," and it wasn't. Yeah. Fulham made it really tough, and it wasn't no, as if no, they Harry were Wilson, sitting in. Harry, Harry Wilson, yeah. I could be Fulham's best player. And he yeah, in the mix. And I am talking myself into thinking because Mitro. Um, obviously he got the goals and he was really good but there were times you could see how kind of slow and lumbering he was in spite of how silly he made Van Dyke look at times oh you boys that bump as well this, in midfield this, this, <laughs> the 90 minutes office as the listeners will, will I will tell all the listeners everyone bar me in the 90 minutes office hates Mitrovic that, I am his that biggest is absolutely fan. Not I, I am his biggest that's fan. not I true I absolutely love him I think he's brilliant I just think you think he's scoring 25 goals this season. And I think we've, I we've do, seen it a few times do. before. I certainly do I just now. have more doubts than you. Yeah, I certainly do now. Yeah, I certainly think he's going to score 25. Now, I just think when Will, I was worried without Wilson Scott, without the without him providing the ammunition, I was worried. But um, no, Marco Silva's doing a cracking job. I was more worried by the fact that Stan still isn't open at Fulham. It's been, I've, yeah. seen, sta- I've seen stadiums built in less time it's taken them to build that stand. Yeah. Although I did notice on. watching the game on TV, I think the camera is now. Uh, it, is it further away now? Is it? Up it's it's higher up, I think. It's higher it, up. It looks better. Yeah, I don't like. I don't like it. My no, wife did. Some, my, one thing my wife said about game. Why was the Thames so dirty? 
It was brown, wasn't it? It's, all, it's, all, that, it's that's always just, that's like just that. like the way that's it is. That's just the Thames. Yeah. Oh, is it it's always like that? Thames, yeah. Okay. I, I, I thought it was to do with the building where they're building and they're putting like barges <laughs> or something in behind. They're doing something like that. No, it's, it's, that's definitely the Thames. I'm not yeah. sure oh, it's away. So, uh, yeah, uh, let's round up the show today with some Wolves and Everton news. Uh, juicy stuff here. Uh, Wolves signing a Valencia winger in Gonca- Gonzalo Guedes, I believe. Uh, if I pronounce that wrong, let me know. Uh, but I've seen him plenty of times before. Uh, he's cost a lot of money. I've never really been too impressed with him, but Wolves have done another... Uh, they've signed another Portuguese forward for a lot of money. They've obviously let Fabio Silva uh, leave for Anderlecht, I believe, earlier in the summer. Uh, but obviously, this player has a lot more experience at international level and has been playing in uh, top leagues for a few years now. And they've let Connor Cody go to Everton. Uh, on a season-long loan, I believe, with an option to buy. And there's uh, other players in the mix as well. Uh, Sean or Graham, uh, what can you tell us about Everton's latest business or do you have any comment to pass on Wolves' new signing? Sean? For, yeah, for, for yeah, first, I was going to say, um, I'm the same boat as you, Scott. I've seen Gedesh a lot and not once has he impressed me. But Wolves really have a thin squad. It's stupidly thin. And I think just bringing in players with that kind of experience of playing at the top level who will fit in with his teammates, as we know, with how many Portuguese players they have there. I think that's important for them. So I get why they did it, especially with him and us being out as well. So they just need goals from somewhere. And it's a decent signing. Uh, with Cody, felt a bit weird, but... Um, Jamie Carragher called him a traitor on Instagram. It was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't hey, Jamie that... Carragher an Everton fan growing up? He's done the, he's done the reverse Carragher. Uh, Graham uh, your thoughts on Everton's business and Wolves' business interesting yeah it's interesting what it does for Cody's England aspirations you know he's he's a cheerleader in the squad and um, Southgate obviously picks him for that on that basis I think it's good for Max Kilman um, another one of my favourite players Um, he'll get a run at it disappointing performance on on Saturday at the weekend the way that Wolves just sacked they, they worked so hard to go up and then they let it go against Leeds even though they were the better team um, yeah good. Uh, it, it's a strange one they need a striker and we'll see whether they are trying to get Batuai still from Chelsea so we'll see where they go with him there's injured and they still got hold of uh, your favourite Trari holding on to him Sean but uh, that might be Spurs' mm-hmm. tactic to get him for cheap so it's, it's Wolves are a fascinating team aren't they the, um, you can make a case for him for being top eight bottom eight it's a really strange one but um yeah they know the portuguese market don't they and, and they do it well uh, but letting cody go hmm, um they've been good to him obviously they could have kept him on the bench but um he's got Evan. does he improve Everton massively obviously they, they, they lost ben godfrey at the weekend um yeah he, he will he will help but i think he's swapping a, a top eight battle for a bottom eight battle that's for sure graham for next week's show can you come loaded with your favorite 11 so we already know that max kilman is one phil foden you've already mentioned marco verratti as well can you put an 11 oh, yeah, together just just I your, think Mitch, your Mitch will be Mitch Mitch will be, yeah yeah Isaiah jones at right back yeah <laughs> if you're borough players in there if you allow me but um i'm sorry yeah, variety ruben neves i like i do like talking wolves and players who united should sign why, why? That, that, that is one thing of this window score it's like all these players rabbit and stuff just go and sign Ruben Neves what are you doing like... are we sure United aren't a week away from entering the Adama sweepstakes it, it, 
I, I, can we rule it out? <laughs> I don't think we can. Do you know what? I think they're one or two teams who've never looked at him, to be honest. But um, I still think Sergino Destis want to keep an eye on for that, guys, because, you, you know, Barcelona, Xavi wants to keep every single player. I don't think he's even admitted wanting rid of Martin Braithwaite yet. He, he wants every player to stay. So I'd keep an eye on Sergino Destis. I really would. I think he, he still... Ha- could be on his way out of Barcelona because this week, I think it's next week, isn't it? They have to really get these uh, players registered uh, for La Liga. So it could be an extraordinary week ahead, even by Barcelona standards. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, guys, for this week's edition of Talking Transfers. There's going to be plenty more chat uh, over the course of the next few days in the lead up to next week's show. Uh, obviously, there's plenty to look, plenty to look on. United's act, United's crazy activity. Manchester United's crazy activity as now Newcastle are top of the United States. Uh, we'll see what else happens over the next few days. So keep an eye on 90min.com and all of our Twitter pages at underscore Scott Saunders, at Graham Bailey, and at Sean DZ Walsh. Uh, we'll have the latest if we get it. You can also follow everyone else from the 90min team. Uh, you can find them on our profile somewhere. But yes, uh, come back to nightmin.com for all of the latest. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. And please subscribe, Apple, Google, Spotify, all the likes. You can find Talking Transfers there. So thanks for listening, everyone. We'll catch you soon.